A Song Can Change Your Life is funded in part by the Fulton County Board of Commissioners and presented by Home by Dark Productions, the City of Alpharetta, Fulton County Arts and Culture, and Arts Alpharetta. A Song Can Change Your Life is recorded in the Black Box at the Alpharetta Arts Center, located at 238 Canton Street, Alpharetta. To learn more about our programs and events at the Alpharetta Arts Center, go to alpharetta.ga.us and search Art Center or click the link located on our website, asongcanchangeyourlife.com. Hello, and welcome to A Song Can Change Your Life, where we talk with one songwriter, one-on-one, about one of their songs. My name is James, and we're coming to you from the Black Box at the Alpharetta Arts Center in awesome Alpharetta, Georgia. Our show is brought to you by Home by Dark, the city of Alpharetta, Georgia, Fulton County Arts and Culture, and Arts Alpharetta. My guest today is singer-songwriter Carol Ford. Carol Ford's music has reached thousands around the globe. As a songwriter, she's reached top 10 success on the CCM charts, had placements on the soap opera The Young and the Restless, and has had cuts by numerous gospel and indie artists. As a performer, she's been on stages across the U.S. and around the globe. Carol has released two solo CDs, and most recently, Streets of Brooklyn, which was recorded with her group Sevenfold. Carol currently resides in Kennesaw, Georgia, and is a touring member of Home by Dark. On this episode of A Song Can Change Your Life, Carol and I discuss her upbringing in Macon, Georgia, her musical journey to Atlanta, and her remarkable song, Southern Girls. You thought they sat under magnolia trees With their dresses billowing in the breeze You thought they never ran from Sunday school For fear of the Bible Belt Just goes to show how very little you know about those southern girls Black girls figuring a new way out From under the system they've been taught about You don't want to be what they say you have to be In the home of the brave and the land of the free You're smarter than that you ain't living with that just because you're a southern girl. So don't come on to me with that Jesus stuff. I've heard it all my life and I've had enough. I know the Bible through and through and through do you. I'm headed for the northern lights you see. And everyone will recognize the talent in me And no one will know Unless I choose to tell them so That I'm a Southern girl Carol Ford, welcome to A Song Could Change Your Life, my friend. I'm glad you're here. Thank you, James Casto. Man, we have known each I've, you know, I can't say this about everybody, but I've known you well over half my life. Yes. And uh, I, I can't remember like certain family members, I can't remember the first time I met them, <laughs> but I remember the first time I met you, you know, and, um, and for those who don't have known nothing about either one of us, um, I played drums for you, started playing drums for you many, many years ago. And 
the first memories I have of you was getting uh, auditioning and then getting the job as your drummer for your you and your group called Sevenfold, which yes. we'll talk about in a second. Yes. And and I started learning songs from you. And the immediate thing I was blown away by was the quantity of songs you had written. And and then also your songs, a lot of your songs early on had these diff- different time signatures, several <laughs> within the same song. And, and I was just blown away because my experience with music up until then was my mom blaring Patsy Cline and yes. Conway Twitty on, on our stereo or, um, or I loved Motown growing up and, and it's sort of some of the s- simplicity of lyrics there and stuff. And, but I, then I start playing with you and it's this giant catalog of music, different time signatures, elaborate lyrics. I'm really curious to know when you started writing music and, and was that natural to you to just start churning out lots of music? <laughs> I think um, my first song I wrote when I was about 10 years old, and it was horrible. It was just absolutely oh, horrible. 10? I could tell my, I could tell my shoes. No, You're I, writing songs. Yeah, but it was, it was truly horrible. Um, I was always an avid reader. My mom was an avid reader, so um, she taught us to read before we were in school. So literally, we were three and four years old, and we were reading books. So... Um, hmm. I think that writing gave me an avenue to sort of express myself. I was 18 months old when my mom had twins. Mm. So, um, I mean, she was a wow. great woman. Okay, yeah, exactly. Wow. She was she was truly a great woman. Um, but the one thing she encouraged all of us to do was to read and to find ways to express ourselves. Mm-hmm. healthy ways to express ourselves. So for all of her kids, that turned out to be writing music. All of my siblings are songwriters. All mm-hmm. of them are musicians and all of them are songwriters. So I started when um, I was about 10, um, took a little break and, you know, kind of, you know, when I was in the tween years, sort of did that, you know, thoughtful poetry, tween poetry. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then when I was in high school, um, basically started... Um, writing um, because it was kind of the thing to do. You know, I had a girlfriend who said, hey, Carol, you know, you ought to put you ought to put these poems to music. Mm-hmm. I'd never thought about doing it um, until then. I mean, we sang, we had to sing in church, so there was always music, but I'd never thought about putting those poems to music. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, you know, in junior high school when I had a girlfriend who said, I think, I think these will fit. You ought to put these to music. So... I mean, the rest is history. Were you playing piano at the time? Um, I was playing guitar then. Mm -hmm. Um, I played, I took um, organ when I was young. Um, Just had a horrible, mean organ teacher. And I was not... an organ? Oh, yeah. Who who takes organ as a kid? Because that was what we had. I mean, that was... And and she was like, I mean, if we missed a note, she had like these four rulers that... (laughs) That had a rubber band wrapped around. I mean, she wrapped our knuckles, and I, man, I really disliked her a lot. Um, so to get out of playing organ because my mom really wanted me to have a means of self-expression, mm-hmm. which I understand now. Then it was but your like mom didn't play music. No, but she had a great voice, beautiful coloratura, um, um, alto voice, just beautiful voice. But she wanted me to have a means of self-expression because she realized I kind of had to get you know, kind of pushed aside because she had two babies. Um, So I took organ and the way I got out of um, playing organ 
was when I was for my 10th birthday, I talked my dad into buying a guitar for me. Hmm. Um, and so he bought a guitar for me from Sears. Mm-hmm. And um, the first time that I had to um, restring the guitar, I played right-handed, but I didn't realize that the strings were actually counted from bottom up. So I, I strung the guitar up the way a left-handed wow. player. And so I taught myself to play guitar wow. that way. Um, I taught my brother John. My brother John still yeah. plays that way. Yeah. And that's what I did for probably, I guess, about the next maybe, I don't know, 10 years until I went to college. Wow. So you self-taught yourself guitar mm-hmm. the backwards. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Why do anything easy, that's James? Awesome. Why that's, do? That's, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so, but, so you started picking up guitar, mm-hmm. and then your girlfriend says, hey, put some of your poems to music. So mm-hmm. you just sat down. And did anybody mentor you at the time, or was it just you sort of it sounded right? And maybe that's where the you had no rules. Yes. And so yes. that's why you came up with these these time signatures that drive drummers crazy. And <laughs> and, so, and some songs, um, like your choruses, like there aren't they don't mimic the same lyrics course to every chorus. Yeah. But it's because in part I'm guessing because you had to have that someone saying, "Hey, no, it's got to be A B A B A B." Yeah, yeah. I think that. Um also, I, at the time, I was more concerned with the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, the music was just a, a means to um, serve the lyrics. Right. So um, that's what I did. And then, you know, later on, as you know, as people were saying, wow, Carol, I really like that song. And I would get to, you know, sing somewhere um, outside of church occasionally. And that meant, even though I'm a Pentecostal girl, grew up in Pentecostal church, um, my first performances of my music were actually in Catholic churches for really? folk mass. Oh, yeah. Um, and oh. I, I went to Catholic school early on because it was the strictest school my mom could find to put me in. There were no Pentecostal schools. So <laughs> she said, I'm going to put her over there with those Sisters of No Mercy. And, and that's where I wound up. <laughs> sisters of No Mercy. So, so you're going to a strict Catholic school, yeah, and you're also getting beat on the knuckles by an organ teacher. Yeah, that was later on. Yeah, I was out of Catholic school then, man, but the, but the tradition continued. So you made it out, man. Wow! And all that, all that was in Macon, Georgia. Yes, yes, Macon, Georgia. So, but then you end up, so you start that that path musically, mm-hmm. and then at what age did you? migrate to Atlanta to play? Um, I went to, to college in Atlanta. I was 16 when I went to college. Um, in hindsight, I would probably not have done that, but it was actually the only way that I could really run away from home. <laughs> so um, You graduated high school at 16? Yes, yes, wow. yes. So um, I went to school um, in Atlanta, went to Spelman, and um, at at that time, I sort of started playing piano accidentally. Um, I was singing, um, there was a... Um, a campus gospel group um, called Atlanta Gospel Movement, Mm -hmm. um, and it included folks from all of the AU Center. We were about to do a spring tour, and our um, piano player, um, a brilliant young man, he was not a student in the AU Center, I mean, that kind of brilliance that, I mean, is unearthly, okay, is otherworldly, um, broke up with his girlfriend, and so he was heartbroken. (laughs) And we, I mean, we were scheduled to go on tour, so they were actually asking, you know, who among the vocalists can play piano? 
we're trying to, you know, fit, you know, farm out the songs that we've got mm-hmm. to play. And one of my roommates said, Carol can play piano. <laughs> yes. I mean, saw that bus coming and pushed me right, right behind her. And it's like, no, I don't play piano. She says, yes, you do. Yeah. Yes, you do. You yeah. play it in the lobby all the time. And it's like, I don't play. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And so um, the guy who was the the leader of that group, and he's a, a local pastor now, a um, guy named um, Aaron Parker, just said, hey, Carol, can you just take one song? Just take mm. one. And so I did. And basically, that's how I got back into um, playing keyboards again. I had never actually played piano. I played organ, played were B3. Were you reading music at the time? Or were you just playing? Yeah, I, okay. yeah I read then. Um, now, I, I don't read scores anymore. I mean, barely. You know, I barely sight read because all of us read charts now. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time, I was... But there were no charts for this stuff because this the man who was the young man who was playing did these fabulous arrangements. Mm-hmm. So I mean, talk about you know you are being baptized by fire right now, little girl. So that's what I did, and um, just kind of got back into it. And around that time, um, I started listening to Joni Mitchell, mm-hmm. and I mean. That's all I listened to was Joni Mitchell. That was so, sort of a seminal moment that kind of knocked you out. Yes. Oh, songwriting is like a yes. legit deal. Yes, yes. Because, um, and I still feel this way about yeah. her music. Um, Joni Mitchell's writing to me was, she wrote like, sort of like the prophets and the psalmist mm-hmm. in the Bible. And I was just amazed that somebody could write those kinds of lyrics, put it with that kind of music, and and it worked. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say her songs were, oh my goodness, her songs were just everything I ever wanted to say and couldn't say. Mm-hmm. I mean, she wrote every single thing I ever wanted to say in my whole life and couldn't say. And there it was. You know, she did it. That's the beauty of songwriting, isn't it? That yeah. when you, That really hits people. Is is when you hear someone that a songwriter sing something that you thought was just you. Yes. But they they're voicing what's inside you. Yes. That's a powerful thing, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is very much so. The world is not kind to anyone. You earn what you got, and you got a lot. A million miles from Georgia, but you still cry to yourself. You still lie to yourself You cannot save yourself So you're, you go to Spelman, mm-hmm. you start playing piano. Mm-hmm. Did you then start moving your poem stuff you were writing from sort of writing it on guitar to, to going to piano? I did. I did. I did. Um, after that, almost everything that I wrote was for um, piano. I mean, I was, you know, I was doing it on the down low. Um, because I didn't play piano very well. I hadn't, you know, I, I barely played mm-hmm. um, keyboards anymore at all. But that was what I worked on. And I was very, um, I was very focused. I was very diligent about it. Um, back in the, I guess, back in the day, songwriters sort of did this kind of songwriting factory kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. And that was the way I approached songwriting. I literally wrote every day. I wrote every day. Mm-hmm. That mean I wrote something good every day. Okay. Were, you, were your aspirations at, at that point? Were, were you were you thinking of I want to be, I want to do this for a living, or you just you just want to express yourself? Was there any 
commercial side of that that said, I think it'd be cool. I want to be a Joni Mitchell. No, 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 no. I think I was just, um, you know, remember when I went to college, I was 16 and I just had a lot of, I won't just say teenage angst. I just had a lot of angst, (laughs) period. So I think that I was just trying to sort of, you know, exercise, you know, I won't, I won't say demons, but I was just trying to exercise that angst. And I found that when I wrote it, a lot of people journal for that reason. Right. And it, now that I look back on it, probably would have been easier if I had just journaled. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, but I found that once I got it out of me, I just felt better. I never, I did not know that anybody could sing that stuff. And, you know, I was still, you know, in the Pentecostal church where, I mean, when we were kids, Andre Crouch was considered outlandish, sure. okay? Yeah, sure. And in fact, I mean, we actually got kicked out of church on a Sunday morning for singing Andre Crouch songs, okay? Yeah. So I, I hear you. you know, that's right. So I was playing for a contemporary Christian group at that time in Macon, and um, my pastor heard that I was playing for this contemporary Christian group. And he called my mom and he said, um, Mother Ford, and that's kind of the, you know, how we refer to one another in um, Church of God in Christ. He said, Mother Ford, I heard that Carolyn is playing for another group. We need a youth choir at church. I want Carolyn to come and play for youth choir. And Didn't go to you, went to your mom. <laughs> absolutely. And you have to remember, I mean, by this time I was probably, I guess I was about 18 years old, but I had only been a Christian for about four years. Well, not quite four years, okay? And I remember thinking when my mom came to me and said, Carol, pastor calls and he wants you to go and play for youth choir at church. I remember saying, oh God, am I being punished for something? You know, I mean, literally being punished. And, you know, and, and my, my baby sister, Vanessa, um, everybody knows Vanessa, of course, from Home by Dark. And so she thought that that was just hysterical. And so my mom said, and you're going with her. <laughs> So, so it's like, you know, I had to do that. And um, so my kid brother, John, was playing guitar and his best friend, Jack Street, Mm -hmm. um, fabulous, incredible, otherworldly bass player who has gone to heaven now. But we were all, all of us were kids together. So they were best friends. And, and so the church got John and Jack to play guitar. And of course they're going to play because, you know, guitars, they'll play anywhere, (laughs) anywhere. So I went to pick up Jack for rehearsal at the church and Jack's three sisters were there and their mom, Mama Street, said, hey, Carolyn, I want my girls to sing in that and that choir you're starting at the church. I remember the look, especially on Jacqueline's face. It was like, am I being punished for something? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so we all got in the car, I had this Fort Fairlane. So we're all in the car by that time. We're going to rehearse. None of us want to be there. Um, I think I was the only one who was a Christian at Five that time. Five girls and two, two guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all in, in my Ford. And so we all go to rehearsal. And by that time, um, Charlotte's mom, Charlotte went to the same church as us. So, so Charlotte, Charlotte is your... Charlotte is is a best friend of all of ours. Gotcha. Okay, so we're talking about three sets of sisters. Yes. So Charlotte and her sister Alice went to church, the same church that we attended. So Charlotte's mom called my mom and said, hey, Mother Ford, I want my girls to sing in that group that Carol." What am I being punished? <laughs> and so, so in the same Ford, we all got a pile in here. So I pull up to their house and I remember, I mean, 
they were like, this is the worst day of my life. We're going to need a bigger car. <laughs> so, no, I mean, you know, at that point, I mean, we didn't have seatbelts or anything. So it's like, you know, you just piled up. So literally, we were all singing because our mom said, you got to go and sing. That's funny. But sometimes, every once in a while, I would maybe play something that I had written while I was waiting for the guys to, you know, because it took them forever. You know how it is with drummers and, you know, guitarists and everything. They had these big, giant PV amps and, you know, and stuff. So sometimes I would just play something that I had written. And Vanessa, one of the girls, would go, well, what is that? And I would say, oh, it's just something that I've written. And so they say, well, you know, maybe we could sing that. Mm-hmm. Well, we couldn't sing it for church, but we'd rehearse at my mom's house. And I would just teach them the stuff that I had written. They were fearless vocally because they didn't know any better. They didn't know any better. So now I had somebody to write for. And I can mm-hmm. honestly say ever since that time, I probably 95% of everything I ever write, I write with well, Sevenfold in my... Yes. So that was, that was the beginning of Sevenfold. Yes. And that's the group I first encountered you with. Yes. Um, I started playing drums for. Yes. Um, that's a great story. <laughs> well, it is now. At the time, we were just, you know, we're being punished. <laughs> the still, quiet voice you hear at night When you close your piano and put out the light Says Jesus is the safety that you need And he loved you enough to bleed Suddenly it sounds so right The answer to the plight of a southern girl and one of the songs that that you did back when I was playing with you mm-hmm. years ago is one that you're going to do sort of resurrect as well coming up soon, right. but called Southern Girls. Yes. And that's the, that's the song I wanted to dig into a little bit today on a song can change your life. And um, it's it's just great. You know, it, it um, much like some of our other songwriters, you've captured a, a bit of a sense of place. I would So tell us, before I go into some of the lyrics here, um, what is Southern Girls about? Why did you write it? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I am a Southern girl. Yeah. And um, growing up in the South, I found that um, people, and that means everybody who is outside of the South, whether they have, you know, they are now in the South because they're living here. You know, we went through a period where everybody was moving to Atlanta. Um, or if we went to places, um, had these stereotypes in their head with regards to you know, Southern girls, mm-hmm. you know, that um, that you were either, you know, I've said it before, that either you were very slow, you know. And you you were, sat under magnolia trees with the dresser, with your dresses yes. blowing in the breeze. Yes. I mean, if, if you were a white girl, they assumed that you were like a character out of Gone with the Wind, you know, like Scarlett O'Hara, yeah. you know, back and forth on the swing with a big hoop skirt, you know. Or if you were a black girl, they thought that you were either prissy or mammy out of Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Um, so... It was always the stereotype that that you were that you were fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't matter how intelligent you were, how gifted you were. You know, there was always this assumption that you know you were you were either just really really slow or or you were really really fast. But you know, but <laughs> but either way, it was kind of like you just couldn't you couldn't escape that. Um, and I found that. You know, my sisters and I, as black girls, you know, we were battling that. But, you know, our white friends, girlfriends were, you know, they were battling that Mm. as well. And so this was kind of the, you know, 
this was this was the statement. This was the anthem, you know, that I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to I'm not going to stay here in the South where you want to make sure I stay that way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to escape from all of it. And while I'm escaping from all of it, I'm going to get out from under that Jesus stuff, too, because mm-hmm. um, when we grew up, there were people who used Jesus to kind of beat us down, you know, to beat you into submission, yeah. you know, and um, and most of us knew Bible chapter and verse, because when we were growing up, everybody went to church. Um, I cannot imagine what would, what would have happened if one of our parents had asked us if we wanted to go to church. I wouldn't have known how, is it a a trick question? There's no no option here. No, there were no, exactly. So we didn't have that option. We knew a lot about the Bible, but um, in reality, because we had not had a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus, we really didn't know Jesus. We just knew a lot about the Bible. We knew a lot about the people who seemed to use the Bible to beat us down. And that was not everybody. That wasn't everybody. But, you know, a lot of people did, you know. So that's what that song was about, you know, just trying to escape that stereotype. And that included escaping that Jesus thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And in reality, we found that our liberation was in knowing Jesus. You know, the the first true male feminist I ever really met was Jesus. You know, when I look in the Bible, Jesus was never condescending to women. Hmm. You know, he never put women down. Never. Not one single time. So um, that's what that song is about, is how we came we came into our liberation and into ourselves, into knowledge of, of who we were and what we could be and being comfortable in our own skin, owning who we were as Southern girls, um, because we found freedom and we found empowerment through a relationship with Jesus. Well, you wrote this years ago. Yes, I did. And so at the time you wrote it, did... did um Anybody who took time to sort of listen to lyrics or, or read lyrics, um, did you get any pushback from 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 from? Boy, we didn't do that song in public. <laughs> I heard it. I played it. I don't know where we okay, played it. Okay, but. no, no. But that by the time by the time we got to Atlanta and yeah. done, and by the time you heard it, that song was maybe I don't know. It was old because that song is about forty years old actually. Man. So. By the time we got there, we had a place where we could do contemporary music and music that we, you know, that we were writing. But growing up, oh my goodness, no, we didn't do that song. <laughs> we didn't do that song in public. Your, did your did your did your mom ever give you commentary on this? My mom liked that song. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So my mom was very different. Okay, she was. Um, and in fact, all of our moms, all of our moms were very very different in that. You know, they didn't think we could make a living making music, so they they didn't want us to take it too far. But they always encouraged us to do what we wrote. Um, My mom wrote a letter to me that I still have. She gave it to me, I don't know, maybe about 15, 20 years ago. But she just wrote me this letter, and she said, she used to call me B, and she said, B, she said, your music was always about 20 or 30 years ahead of its Mm. time. She was saying, don't give up on it. Hmm. And and so that was the same with Mama Reed and Mama Street. And I got and your own mother. I mean, mm-hmm. when we were here, we rehearsed in your basement. Mm-hmm. And I always envied your mother's collection of country music, okay? Oh my goodness. Your mom had the best collection of country music. But you know, the women who encouraged us, I mean, I just think that's really, really powerful. Those were the people who said, you know, do it. I'm gonna help you do it. 
The reason we rehearsed in your mom's basement was because she wanted to help us to do it. Yeah. You know, so, um, so yes, our moms, we had very different moms who said, no, do this, do yeah. this. Yeah, so that course is one, one of the courses here. <laughs> one of the courses. <laughs> So you're right. So don't come, don't come on me with that Jesus stuff. I've heard all my life and I've had enough. I know the Bible through and through and through to you. Um, I'm headed for the Northern Lights, you see, and everyone will recognize the talent in me. And and you weren't, you weren't, you weren't. At, at first glance, someone may look at that and go, "Well, oh, she's writing it. She's writing that from a musician." But you're talking about in, intellect. Yes, and, exactly. And capability. Exactly. Um, and no one will know unless I choose to tell them so. That I'm a Southern girl. Yes, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a defiant. That's defiant. Yes, and um, yeah, I I think it's <laughs> back when you wrote it's pretty radical, you know. It, yeah, and but and so but you guys are you guys are about to re-record this, aren't you? Yes, yes. In fact, I'm I'm thinking. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, and my sisters won't get mad at me. But I actually think that that's going to be the title cut from the new CD. We're going to go to work on that first quarter of next year. Well, that's cool. And what I like about it, because not everyone who listens to this and um, has a faith background. And, exactly. And certainly, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But but you come from a gospel, a faith background, and grew up in the church playing. And um, but what's cool about this, I think, is that it's your it's a defiant song. You're kind of pointing a finger at, at don't pigeonhole me, don't stereotype yes. me, and, and people like me. But yet, instead of being bitter and angry you turn it to this, this focus on a renewed relationship, understanding of who the Jesus you learned about in the Bible, who that really is. Mm -hmm. um, and so, it's, so if, you, if you go through the whole song, it's hard to be angry with you yeah. because you're not, you're not throwing stones at, at people who, who, again, sort of box you into a corner of what they think you are. You're, you're saying, if you think that, you're wrong. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say you're wrong, mm -hmm. um, but here's, here's, here's the model for all of us of how we should yeah. treat people. And I think that everybody has to get to the place where you're comfortable with who you are, you deal with who you are, you can acknowledge your imperfections, but I think that part of what we have to do is learn how, I think it's wonderful and I think it's a part of of being a part of the human community that we should affirm one another's humanity. I think that's really important and real powerful. But I think one of the most powerful things that we can do is to affirm our own humanity. And that's also a part of what that song is about, is, you know, coming to grips with who you are and being, it doesn't mean that, you know, we don't want to work on things, you know, but, but being okay with the fact that you know, that this is, this is who I am and, and being at peace with that. I think that there's a lot of power, um, with being at peace with who you are. And I think it helps you to, to be willing to change. Um, it gets rid of some of that fear about changing, um, when you come to grips with the fact that, you know, um, my humanity, my humanity is worthy I'm worthy as a human being. Um, I'm worthy of the air I breathe and the space I occupy. And a lot of women growing up in the South when we did, you know, I'm a woman of a certain age, um, were told constantly, you know, oh, you talk too much, you talk too much, you talk too much. Mm -hmm. And so they stopped talking. Mm -hmm. They stopped talking. Um, it's like, no, I think, 
I think I'm okay with the sound of my own voice. I mm-hmm. think I'm okay. You know, and if you're not okay with it, I'm, I'm all right with that. Yeah. But, you know, but I'm good with it. And I'm good with my humanity. You know, I'm grateful now for, you know, for who God made me to be. It's a great song. And, and um, Thank you. it's fun to highlight it on the, on this show. And, and, and again, um, with a lot of songs like this, you know, if they can, if you'll, if you dive into it a little bit, you'll feel something and, and there's, and there's layers to it that, that go really deep and, and, and can affect your life yeah. and how you treat people. And that's, to me, that's the coolest thing. That's the cool thing about songwriters and songwriting. So yeah. thank you for writing it, Carol Ford, Southern Girls, my, my favorite Southern girl. Um, thank you for being on the show and I love you and, um, and we'll uh, be sure to tell the world when it gets released to go get it. Thank you. Thank you. And Lord, I never thought before of calling your name Because it sounded too simple and it seemed so plain I knew the Bible through and through But I didn't know you Now I ask you to shine your light in me I ask you to live your life through me And everyone will know I'm gonna tell them so That Jesus saved Southern girls Saving Southern girls. He's saving Southern girls. Thanks for listening to A Song Can Change Your Life, recorded in the Black Box at the Alpharetta Art Center. Our special guest has been Carol Ford. To learn more about Carol, go to homebydark.com backslash Carol Ford. To learn more about our show, visit asongcanchangeyourlife.com. Our audio engineer is Jerry Knable. Our production coordinator is Jacob Davis Martin. Our production assistants are Christopher Allen Yates and Yolandi Hatting. A Song Can Change Your Life is a Home by Dark production and brought to you by the city of Alpharetta, Georgia, Fulton County Arts and Culture, the Fulton County Board of Commissioners and Arts Alpharetta. My name is James, and I hope you'll join us next time on A Song Can Change Your Life.